discussion podcast. I am one of your hosts, uh, one of your critics, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corwin Heller. And if I sound confused, it's because our robot is having a panic attack. Um, <laughs> and uh, welcome to the show this week. We're going to be talking about, uh, it's, it's our Christmas themed episode. So we are talking about the 1988 action Christmas th- film Die Hard and the 2020 Hulu holiday romp Happiest Season. Corwin, are you ready to start? I am ready. All right. Do you want to start in Nakatomi or do you want to start in Pittsburgh? Uh, well, Die Hard takes place in Los Angeles. Nakatomi is just the name of the building complex. Uh, I know that, dumbass. It takes place exclusively in the building complex, basically. I'm just saying you refer to it as a uh, building and then a city, so it's different. Except for a guy. But also, I don't think I don't think Happiest Season takes place in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think it takes place in Greater Allegheny she County. And then they leave to go somewhere else, wherever the yeah, parents are. I, I think it's somewhere on the outskirts of... Not even on the outskirts. I think it's just in the county that Pittsburgh is in. But yeah, the city right, that, that we see is Pittsburgh. The town that we see is Bumblefuck Nowhere. Might as well, might as well be where yeah. Get Out took place. Um, so where, anyway, where do you want to start? I don't care. All right, let's start with Die Hard. Um, yeah. All right, Die Hard came out in 1988. It was directed by John McTiernan. It was uh, written by Roderick Thorpe, um, which, or based on his novel, anyway, I should say. Uh, screenplay by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. D'Souza. Um, it stars Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, and Bonnie Bedelia. Um, it had an estimated budget of $28 million and a cumulative worldwide gross of $141.5 million. Certainly a success. Uh, the movie's tagline was uh, 40 stories high with suspense, excitement, and adventure on every level. Eh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Not, not uh, the best. No, not their finest work. It was nominated for four Oscars uh, for Best Sound for Don J. Baseman, Kevin F. Cleary, Richard Overton, and Al Overton Jr. Best Film Editing for Frank J. Uriosti? Uriosta? I don't fucking know. John F. Link. Sorry, Frank, if you're listening to this. Uh, Best Effects Sound Effects Editing for Stephen Hunker Flick. And Richard Shore, best and finally for best visual effects uh, for Richard Edlund, Al DeSaro, Brent Boats, and Thane Morris. Uh, it is it is about an NYPD officer who tries to save his wife and several others taken hostage by German terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles, California. Corwin, this was your pick, so you start. Tell me your thoughts. You know, come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. It is a quintessential Christmas movie. It's not, you know, something that you debate. It's not something that you fight over. It's something you watch every Christmas Eve and appreciate in all its beauty. It is just a quintessential action flick along with being a quintessential Christmas movie. Um, I think it's one of the, the... 
best done action movies of that era um, because it's, you know, it's not Bayhem. It's relatively straightforward. It has some big set piece moments with big explosions and fireballs, but it's still it's still grounded in reality. You know, it's still a an average Joe, if you will, coming to, you know, meet meet the needs of saving a group of people from European baddies. It's just it's classic fun. I absolutely love this. You know, it's it's a movie I don't know how you cannot enjoy. Yeah, this is uh this is much in the vein of um, for literally only this one comparison and nothing else, uh, a thought that I had shared when we talked about 1917, this is a movie that dads will like, and you will too. Um, because at its core, it is an action movie with the shooting and the blood and the explosions and all that shit. But at the same time, like, it does exactly what it's trying to do very effectively. I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's deeper meaning to anything. There is not. But what there isn't is too much camp. Um, too much fluff, too much explosions, or anything that's going to take you too far out of the realm of possibility. It's obviously a wild tale, but it gets you to all these places in a pretty pretty relatively reasonable enough way for an action film where you can kind of buy it. Or you can at least not go like, oh, come on, really? That? Um, and that can't be understated. In addition, it keeps the dialogue short. Um, it is a one-liner machine with Bruce Willis talking to himself. Um, I'm going to ignore that from Craig, too. Because um, this, again, happened to us on Thursday. Um, <clears throat> anyway. Uh, and it, it, it's just fucking fun and easy. Um, I barely have notes. At all. Do you have anything? I have a handful, but again, nothing crazy. Um, let's see. It's really just kind of like shit that's enjoyable and fun. Uh, like first note, remember those days when cops could just carry their service weapon on any flight they went on? Cause I sure as hell don't remember that. I have no idea. Yeah. Cause you know, pre nine 11, things were kind of different. Neither of us were around for that, or at least when this took place. Um, yeah, it's just weird. It's really weird to see. Um, at the same time, are we surprised about gun laws in the fast and loose 80s? Uh, no, absolutely not. Especially for a white man? White man? White cop at that. I mean, we also have a character who's just, you know, openly doing cocaine in front of his boss. And the boss is just like, Ellis. Just like waving Stop a finger it. at him. Get out of here. Not even. He's just like, eh, Ellis, relax. Come on. Don't do that. It's like, hey, dude, that's cocaine. That's what's kind of a big deal. I don't, what, what's cocaine, Corwin? What's what? What's cocaine? Um, It's the secret ingredient in Coca-Cola. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know how uh, they have, like, what is it, 23 herbs and spices in Kentucky Fried Chicken? Coke's just cocaine. I buy it. I, uh, I'm trying to figure out like what to really say about this movie. Um, 
Because because I it, it's like, have you seen an action movie? Yeah. All right, that, but good. Like yeah. that that that's this movie. The bad guys are German, and they might as well be Russian or Lithuanian or English. It doesn't fucking matter. It only matters that they have a language other than English, which doesn't actually work with with, with British. But they have a language other than English that they can speak to each other um, as, as, as a way for you to understand that they are bad guys at certain points, um, which they do fine. Um, it's, a, it's, I guess, a relatively clever idea for a white-collar crime to, to get the police knowingly involved, but I guess, unsurprisingly, doesn't work out well for them. Um, do you think they would have gotten away with this if John McClane wasn't there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? How else would they not have, like, what else would have stopped them? Well, the place was surrounded by cops. Right, which was part of the plan. Well, I understand, but, like, I still don't, I still didn't see, like, the actual getaway idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, they were going to fake their own deaths, and then they were going to leave in the ambulance at the... Uh, hacker guy was uh, putting together downstairs. So they were going to set the explosives. They were going to bring in the helicopter, have the helicopter land. They were going to pretend like they got on or, or sacrifice a guy or two to, to get on the plane or the helicopter, all the hostages, blow it all up. And then, or I guess they weren't even going to attempt to try and take off. They were going to pretend like they're all bringing the hostages to the top None of them were up there. They were going to blow it, and then, in, you know, everyone's going to think they were all dead. They're going to send everybody in to, you know, save hostages or, you know, clear things out, what have you. And then they were just going to escape in the uh, ambulance along with, you know, disappear with all the rest of the, the chaos first responders. All right. Yeah. Okay, I'll accept that as an answer. Yeah, because it's part. I think you know part of the thing with action movies is that you have to at some point let some things go. You know, Mm -hmm. like as crazy of a description that you just made that sound like, um, it's a movie, and if they did it in a logical enough fashion that is, you know, in in the visual that is presented to you, I could I could see myself going along with it. Yeah, I mean they got this far. Yeah, like, uh, listen, we could sit here and, and pick apart every action movie I've made, and we'd find plot holes and be like, oh, this is unwatchable. But fucking Star Wars is lasers in space, and we accept that for what it is. Yeah, bad movies. Um, That's right, folks. I'm here coming for the throat. Uh, yeah, because for the most part, the business people are basically just pawns they're afraid and hoping to not die um the film is really on the back of bruce willis doing a lot of acting to himself which is hard um Mm -hmm. and delivering us some super famous and constantly enjoyable lines um you made mention of a couple of them and i'd like to go through a few of them because they are wonderful um come out to the coast we'll get together have a few laughs now, hold on, hold on. I want to take them one by one. Now, because oh, okay. while I enjoy a lot of these lines, a lot of them have left me with tons of confusion over the years. Yeah. His 
Because he seems to be impersonating his wife in there, or doing an impression of his wife, right? She was also surprised that he was there. and She was surprised that he actually went through with coming. But wasn't didn't he have a, a moment of realization in, in the beginning where he realized he wasn't supposed to come? No. That didn't take place in 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 the uh, the building where he was like, uh, you know, I wasn't supposed to be here. Or this invitation wasn't meant for me, or something like that. Uh, I don't think so. I could have sworn there was a line like that in the beginning. I right, pulled the script. What like what what was the scene you were talking about? Like when did this take place? In in the in the in the office room in her her office room someone someone's fucking yeah. office. Um, you know when they were when they were chatting in the beginning. Then they only had like one scene talking in the beginning. Hmm. Okay. Um, I don't remember that really, so that's fine. All right. So I do I, actually I have it stripped up. <laughs> um. Uh, Holly and Ginny are talking. Lucy and Holly are talking. Paulina and Holly are talking. Oh, that's the driver. It's Argyle. Okay, so I'm still way too early. Elevator. People kissing. What? Holly Gennaro. Okay, okay. Holly's office. Ellis comes in. He's doing coke. Um, or Ellis is doing coke when they walk in. Uh, Takagi, Ellis, Holly. Okay, okay. Um, McLean and Holly. A moment. Does the sound of the party stop for him? We know it. For her, it's more cryptic. We sure hope so. Holly, I was hoping you made that flight. Okay, so then she did know. Never mind. Um, John, I was hoping you were hoping that. Um, and then Takagi, your you you wife's made for this business. She drives a hard bargain. I don't know why I thought this. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know. Huh. I don't I don't know why I thought this. Cause you crazy? I don't know. All right, yeah, I'm I'm moving on because I keep scrolling through the script and I'm not finding any answers. Um, all right, well this this is just another moment of Josh not getting it right. Um, uh, uh, where was I? Dude, I don't know. What were we talking about? Who am I? Where are we? Um. Oh, quotes. All right. So, what now? That another famous quote. And now I know what a TV dinner feels like. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, he's in like the the confined. Um what is it, air vent, and, you know, he's all just, like, trapped up, sealed away, and it's like, oh, guy's, you know, a bachelor working as a cop in the city. I imagine he eats a 
quite a bit of TV dinners, so it, you know, it would be fresh in his mind. So, oh, like now I know what it's like to be this confined. Here we go. Now I know what a TV dinner is. Do, do, do you think of TV dinners as being confined? I imagine when you eat a, a large amount of TV dinners, you're like, you could imagine that. I haven't eaten a TV dinner in like two decades, so I don't know. So you were eating TV dinners when you were like four. Yeah. They had they had like kid, whatever, like lunchable type TV dinners. That was a thing. I ate them. I I guess. I don't know. I I'm, I. Because it's hot in there. TV dinners are pl- placed in, in, in cold. In the freezer. Yeah, make them. But when you make them, you open them up. Uh, you, you, like you take pop the film it, off the top. Yeah, but he's also not completely sealed away in a coffin. But there's no... Well, he's only got a front and back. He has no top. Or he has a, yeah, yeah. you know, he's sealed from, the, from vertically. Josh, you're an insane person. Why are you thinking so hard here? Cause it's 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 a hilarious but very weird line. I hate you. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why you are so concerned about this and overthinking it. I'm not overthinking there... it. I'm putting in the bare minimum. <laughs> no, you're doing the opposite. The bare minimum is accepting why the joke would possibly make sense and just accepting that that it was a joke that was made. I I I accept that it was a joke that was made. Um I guess. Like I'm not saying I'm not gonna sit here and say it ruins the movie, but thought about it. Um Thanks. Uh what are some other famous lines from this movie? Uh now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho. Oh, yeah, that's fucking weird, too. So, why ho, ho, ho? He's Santa Claus now? Yeah. How does that make sense? Because he's at a Christmas party. The guy was wearing a Santa hat. Yeah, but but why is... why Santa isn't just a, a, a character. He has a role in society, delivering gifts and merriment and whatnot. What's McLean doing? He he didn't give anything. He took. He took the machine gun. Gosh. He's the opposite of Santa Claus. I'm, I'm going to fucking leave the podcast if this is how this entire discussion is going to be. You're asking why fucking John McLean isn't Santa Claus? <laughs> why he doesn't have the same motivations as Santa Claus? He doesn't I'm have asked, the same <laughs> goals in this situation as a fucking fictional character? You're an inanimate fucking object. <laughs> oh my god it's like pulling teeth whose teeth I hate you this fucking tooth fairies oh uh, oh yeah yeah you are the absolute worst love you too buddy <laughs> oh I love you too um I I do gotta say one of my favorite parts about this movie is is the um to put him on my Rex Ryan hat Bruce Willis's feet. I love the yeah. fact that it's with your toes. Well, I just love the fact that like the aimless shooting served a purpose in that scene. You yeah. know, because it's that again, the bare minimum level of thought. 
that makes this movie work better than your average action movie in a lot of parts and then makes it work really well in others. Um, because, yeah, that's exactly what you should do. Make life inconvenient. If you don't think you're going to hit to kill, hit to really piss off and hurt, you know? Like, right. that like makes you, so much sense. It's basically fighting a, a guerrilla warfare, a, a guerrilla warfare, as you would, a Star War, um, where they don't need to get him right then and there. There's no reason they need to stop him immediately. They need to make it easier on them in the future to stop John Wayne. Not John Wayne. John McClane. We gotta stop John Wayne. I'm John Wayne at Nakatomi Plaza, Pilgrim. Um, but yeah, like it, it's what makes this movie great is they every action is plausible, real, realistic, and understandable. Like, nobody's doing anything that, you know, if someone were to be dropped into this situation, a viewer was watching it, at no point they're like, I can't believe they would do that. Like, that's insane. Like, the craziest thing that goes on during this entire thing is just how callously, you know, unscared John McClane is of fucking ledges. Like, whether he's in the yeah. elevator shaft oh, or going over the side of the building, like, he's just not scared of heights. and. Granted, being a New York City copy that had to do with it, you know, used to being a tall building, I don't know what cops do, uh, other than beat up minorities. Um, but it's all grounded very much in reality. Yeah, and let's like one of the, the parts about this movie that I think adds very much so um, to... Oh shit, this... I was going to say something, I forgot what it was going to be. Well, feel free to come up whenever you think of it. Oh, like um, even the fi fists out of toes, or fifth with your toes like it's a very simplistic easy way to go about understanding like putting him in a situation to set up actions throughout the rest of the movie right you know you you Which need part to of put this him at a clear disadvantage oh right what was it no no no, no. i got you i'm with you like you need to put John McClane at a clear disadvantage, you know, okay. We took away his shoes, okay. Now they could, you know, it's a construction zone on multiple other floors, okay. There's things on the grounds in construction areas that will hurt your feet. There we go. Now we have obstacles he has to overcome. We have more conflict that we can use that comes about naturally. Right. It's a well um, thought out, well done uh, aspect. And I think one of the other things that goes along with that is, is the fact that the police don't believe he's a cop. Yeah. Um, the only person down on, on the ground that believes him at first is Reginald Van Johnson. Everyone else is like, no, you fucking idiot. Like, this guy's just trying to con you over to, for some nefarious reason, help out with whatever's happening in there. Which I think would be all of our natural skepticism. Some random dude reaching out to you via CB radio saying, I'm one of the good guys. <laughs> uh, you probably go like, ah, maybe he is, but he's probably a bad guy because why, how else would someone have the technical know-how to hit up a CB radio and somehow reach out and communicate with the police? I, I, I too would be skeptical of that. And while it's frustrating to see um, Bruce Willis not getting that immediate help from everybody down on the floor and 
instead of having to kind of go through Reginald Van, John- Van Johnson for a little bit at the beginning. Um, like I said, it's frustrating because you want them to just be like, these Bruce Willis fucking help him. Uh, at the same time, like them having a natural skepticism of the situation adds to the fact that, yeah, that's more believable. What's more believable? You telling a cop that you're actually a cop who's trying to kill all these German dudes and then believing you or them going like, oh, no, this this is this is an idiot. This is a liar. What do you think a cop's going to do? Go find a cop on the street and tell him you're trying to stop crime. See what they do. I don't give a shit. See what they do. Nothing good. Not they do anything good anyway, but that's besides the point. Hey, the ACAB podcast. <laughs> Fuck the police. Coming uh, straight from the underground. I don't know. Fuck Ice T too. Or Ice Cube. Ice T, you're cool. Um Yeah, I I don't I don't know. What else do I feel you have to fucking say about this? I really don't. I really don't have much. I will say it is an a inc- an incredibly well shot movie. The actual shots themselves, everything involved with that, you know, how it's put together. Like there are scenes in this where you're like sitting there, I had to pause it at one point and you look at it and it's like, wow, like that's that's a gorgeous shot. That's extremely well composed. Like that is something you would expect out of a a much more I don't know uh visually focused movie, visually, you know, something a little more up its own alley. Um you don't expect it from this kind of, you know, easy testosterone action flick. Uh, no, I agree. This film really does a lot very well visually, and I think, I think it's part, you know, just having, I guess, good filmmakers working on this. But I think another part of it is that they had a challenge of making a single setting environment feel different and tense and safe, depending on where they were in the in the building. Because again, as we said, for the vast majority of the scenes this film takes place strictly in Nakatoma Plaza which means that they have to do a lot of work to make certain parts of the building feel um, warm and Christmas party like certain parts of it feel dark and ominous certain parts feel um, also dark but like more comfortable like the scene where Bruce Willis runs into Alan Rickman and mistakes him at first possibly you know, as um as a victim who who escaped the other Germans, um, that's a dark setting, and it feels uneasy. But there's scenes where Bruce Willis is tucked away, licking his wounds, you know, wrapping his feet and shit that feel dark, but they also feel just more more safe, a little bit less uneasy. And to do that balancing act all within the same building takes a lot of skill. And I think this film really benefits from forcing the uh, filmmakers to to take um a special care of what they were doing with the composition of the shots. I think it really benefits from that. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. I have nothing else to say. Do you think this is a Christmas movie? You know what? This is a great discussion point. Um, so in my mind, yes, because I don't give a shit. Um, and this is a film that takes place during Christmas, and I don't know what else you really need. Um, if your idea of a Christmas movie involves Santa Claus in a literal sense, then no. 
Um, but at the same time, I can think of like Christmas specials that don't necessarily have Santa Claus at least as a focus. Um, right. I don't know I've... what you need for it to be a Christmas mo- like fucking Home Alone's a Christmas movie. Santa Claus ain't nowhere up in that bitch. It, it's about a kid getting getting fucked by older dudes, not literally, but figuratively. Uh, oh. Actually, it's about a kid fucking older dudes. In the director's cut, you never know what happens. Um, I mean, yeah, we've seen Sixteen Candles. Uh, <laughs> so it's. I'll say yes, because, again, like, what, what do you need for a movie to be a Christmas film? So, I say yes. I would say the definitive characteristic would have to be having Christmas as a pillar for the story. So, like, something that takes place during Christmas that has absolutely... Like, Iron Man 3 takes place during Christmas, but at no point does Christmas affect the... Uh, forward movement of the story like it's not if you took Christmas out of Iron Man 3 it's still Iron Man 3 I had no idea or I totally forgot anyway that movie took place during Christmas so I completely understand your point here I think it's Iron Man 3 Um, it's one of them dude that's the thing though you could tell me it was Iron Man 2 you could tell me it was any Marvel movie that's come out recently I didn't realize any of them took place during Christmas regardless um which i think serves your point well right and if you took christmas out of die hard this doesn't work it only works you know with it being christmas because it gets most people out of the building nobody's working on the you know floors that are the building is essentially closed the only people there are the people for this holiday party so they know that the ceo that they need to get into the system is going to be there they know nobody else is going to be. The security is very light because of it. There's only you know one small group of people there, and this crazy thing of you know there really cannot be this heist without it taking Christmas, which I think definitively makes this a Christmas movie. Right, plus the ho 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 joke totally doesn't work without it. Exactly. That's just, you know, a little super funny ho 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 joke. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, All right, final rating and review. This was your film, so you get to start. Before I leave, John McClane wouldn't be there if it wasn't Christmas. Yeah, so I was thinking about that too. The film itself would not take place without John McClane there. I was thinking about that too. And the thing is, I could see a reason why he would go, but it wouldn't, it would be so much more forced of a reason. Like, I'm trying to reconnect with my wife. It's it's August and it's hot, and I'm trying to reconnect with my wife to save my marriage. And it's like, yeah, like that's a reason, but it's not nearly as, it's not nearly as desperate and sad as showing up for like Christmas is, because that's more expected. And the the needed, like her going by Gennaro, him going by McLean, not being able to connect the two is how he's able to not be found out so quickly. Um, at the same time, if he was trying to reconnect, with him, I don't know if if like they were at that point, I don't know if she would still be going by Gennaro. Little things you don't know how it would play out, but it's possible. Right, it's there. Right. So, yeah. Right, right. It's a Christmas movie. It's a classic action movie. It's an extremely well done action movie. What more do you need to say? Nothing, bitch. Give me your uh, yeah. 
Give me, give me a star rating then. If you got nothing more to say, uh, I give it a four out of five. All right. All right. Um, I'm going to give this two different star ratings. I'm going to give this a star rating for an action film and a star rating for a movie. As an action film, this is a five out of five for me. Again, if you walk into an action film, what are you looking for that this movie does not have? It, it's it's no, it has boobs. It does have boobs. Yeah, the chick that's getting banged in one of the offices when they like go through and. Uh, yeah, you're right. In the very beginning. Um, but it's got snappy dialogue. It's got blood and guts. It's it's got it's got um uh, evil bad guys looking to steal shit. Um, it's got a whole. It's forty stories of of fright and terror. Um, and it moves quickly and it and it, and it works well. It's got testosterone. It's got Bruce Willis in a very sexy undershirt that gets filthy. Ooh. Ugh. Um, it and uh. It's tough to find what else you would possibly want from this movie. Uh, as a film, I'll probably side with you and give it a four, just because action films don't have anything truly below the surface, which is nothing against the action film genre. That's just what it is. Um, but that, I think, makes it harder for me to give it anything really higher than that, um, unless yeah. we're talking about something crazy. But yeah, I, 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 that's where I settle in. Did you say something? Oh, okay. All right, then uh, let's move on to uh, to my holiday pick, uh, Happiest Season from 2020. It was uh, written and directed by Clea Duvall, starring uh, Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, and Mary Steenbergen. Um, that name sounds backwards. Uh, it hadn't... Do we have an estimated budget? No, we do not have an estimated budget, nor do I have a gross, so I've got nothing... <laughs> on on that um the tagline is this holiday everyone's secrets are coming out yeah it's there i get it it's yeah, gay. <laughs> I, I yeah. Get it. apparently they're claiming this box office was 1.4 million and i have no idea how they would know that um also just real quick i meant it's gay because in the literal sense, this is a film about, as we'll get to the plot, a holiday romantic comedy that captures the range of emotions tied to wanting your family's acceptance, being true to yourself, and trying not to ruin Christmas. It's a movie about, it. it it's it's lesbian birdcage during Christmas, is what it is. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, this was my pick, so I'll start. Um, my girlfriend and I watched this the other day, before uh, I picked it for, for the show, because I wanted to talk about the ending, which we'll get to. Um, and it's well it's first off as i described it being um uh lesbian birdcage during christmas because that is basically the plot of this movie and it follows a lot of cookie cutter hallmark movie um tropes and standards but it had an opportunity i think to do something really different for the ending and make a statement and it really seemed like it was going in that direction when all of the sudden it did not. And I want to get there when we get there. Um, I'll, but I'll say this is not a movie I'm probably going to watch too much again um, because I don't know what it's really doing for you that a cookie cutter holi 
Hallmark movie or Lifetime movie isn't, basically. Um, I like a lot of the people in it. I, I think a, a lot of the actors in this are really fun. Uh, I really like Dan Levy. I think he's wonderful in everything in life as a man. Huh? He's a gem. I love him. Uh, he's great. Go Jews. Um, but I mean, Allison Brie is in this and Aubrey Plaza is in this. Like this is like a, this is a really fun cast, but as a film, it never strays from where you think it's going to go, which is a fucking shame. Um, so Corwin, tell me what you think about it before we get too far into it. You know, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to, uh, the way you, you know, presented it. Um, that being said, I can't really call it a good movie. It's a movie that I could absolutely see myself getting dragged into watch by a significant other during the holidays, watching it and saying, that could have been a lot worse, but boy, if it wasn't a movie I watched during the holidays and it was just a, a standard rom-com that just came out with the same plot and what have you, it's it's a piece of garbage. Like you said, it's it's really not trying to do anything special. It's just kind of... It's trying to be watchable by the largest possible audience. And that's just kind of what you get out of it, you know? And I really don't like the main character opposite Kristen Dunst. I don't really like either of them, to be honest. Kristen um, Stewart. Oh, sorry. Kristen Dunst is Spider-Woman. Um, she's she's AJ. Yeah, I don't remember the name. AJ. Doesn't matter. Um, regardless, it's, it's nothing special. You know, it's watchable, and that's really kind of the best I'll give it. The side characters are far and away the best part of this. Whether it be Dan Levy, the Jane chick who's just absolutely crazy, but is off-putting, but in a way that it's like, all right, I can appreciate what she's supposed to be and represent, and I'll laugh at her because that's the point of her character. Sure. Um, the dad was kind of the only positive character in this, like, you know, good guy in this, where at no point was I, like, ever complaining about his action. It's like, hey, he's trying to do something special, and every action he has during is like, okay, that makes sense, at the very least. Um, but other than that, it's just, the movie is what it is. Yeah, so, you know, I, we don't usually do this, but I'm going to say let's almost exclusively talk about the ending. Um, That's fine. So, just for build-up or exposition, or if you haven't seen it, whatever, you know, basically what happens is Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis are in a relationship, you know, living in the city of Pittsburgh, um, and it's Christmas, and Kristen Stewart's parents are dead, and Mackenzie Davis's parents are alive, and want to have Christmas with her. So Mackenzie Davis is like, you should come with me to my parents for Christmas. And Kristen Stewart is like, I hate Christmas because my parents are dead and I can't see them on Christmas and it was their favorite holiday, so I don't want to go. And she goes. Anyway, on the car ride there, Mackenzie Davis is like, hey, just so you know, my parents don't know I'm gay and they think you're just my roommate. Um, and that starts the birdcage aspect of it, which is, let's pretend we're not dating um, <laughs> and we're just friends. 
And then they get to whatever podunk town on the outskirts of Pittsburgh th- this movie takes place in. And, you know, uh, Kristen Stewart has to confront um, Mackenzie Davis's family that is like Republicans, you know, running for office, which, again, straight out of the birdcage. Um, and plus Mackenzie Davis's, uh, Davis's exes, including a guy played by, oh, actually, I don't know his name. Um, and a girl played by, um, Aubrey Plaza and, you know, feeling like the black sheep and yada, 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 her mean older sister played by Alison Brie and her nice, huh? You said yada, yada, yada. So I said, you mentioned, dude, get out of here. Um. And just on on the 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 whole beginning of this movie, um, first of all, what's her dad running for again? Mayor. Mayor. They he's at galas, fundraising. Yeah. Yeah. He he's like he's he. What is he like? A, like a like an alderman or some shit? Running for uh, mayor. Okay. What is he? He's currently a councilman running for mayor. I, I mean, you'd think he was running for governor. And I was I remember telling Cal during this movie, why isn't he just running for governor? This movie would make way more sense if he was running for governor. A yeah. councilman has another full-time job while they're councilmen. Like there's there's no need for this. Uh not in larger cities. So originally I was thinking it was going to be in a large city. Down. It might just be he's running for mayor in Pittsburgh. But wouldn't you have to you live know? in Pittsburgh? I don't know. You might be able to live in the suburbs. You know, but Pittsburgh I think they're like an hour away. Suburb population. I don't know. I don't know. I don't but know like, what else would make sense. So I just have to accept that that's probably him, what it is. Him running for governor, or or like like a state senator, like something bigger than mayor. Right. I'm not. I'm not trying to to like slam mayors here. Like your dad is a mayor. I know a lot of kids growing up who, whose 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 parents were mayors because small town life. But like, it's you're not doing all of this shit for a mayor job. Like, like you're not you're not going to all. Has Corwin? Has your dad ever been to a fucking gala? I'll tell you what. Having gone through this whole campaign cycle for the mayor of our town, um. I could probably point out maybe two things that were similar and I could relate to. Uh, the other 700 uh, are just completely outlandish. And, and this is... At least on the size that the, this was supposed to be. And, and, and it seems so dumb because they didn't have to be set on him being mayor. He could have been running for anything. Like It really didn't matter. But the fact that they picked something so small where they were doing these like what what looks like one of those you know ten thousand dollar per plate fundraisers made it just like ridiculous. Like it kept reminding me that he's only running for mayor, and they're doing like very fancy black tie events on the outskirts of one of the two major cities in Pennsylvania, or two urban centers of Pennsylvania. Um, it was so disorienting. Anyway, um, outside of that, it's it's what you'd expect. It's like a milk toast family. Um, Kristen Stewart does her thing, which is, you know, being kind of sad. Um, like that, I mean that, right. Like that's like her thing. Um, character. She's not a good actress. I, I like her in this and I tend to like her when I see her, but I tend to also go, this is who you do, who you usually are in movies. Um, mm. 
you know, I don't ever want to see her be. I think I once saw her in something where she was supposed to be bubbly, and it made me upset because she's not. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. So this film leads you to a point where Kristen Stewart seems like she's going to break up with Mackenzie Davis because over the course of the film, you know, Kristen Stewart is being like, you need to come out to your parents. Like you keep leaving, you keep abandoning me in this podunk town. Like you keep going off and hanging out with your boy, your ex-boyfriend until like two o'clock in the morning and not texting me, texting me back. You keep abandoning me at these fundraisers. Like I thought we were here to celebrate the holidays and you keep leaving me alone. And like, I can't keep doing this. Like I'm going crazy because I'm not seeing you, which was the whole reason I came. And we're, you're not out, so I have to pretend like I'm your friend not seeing you instead of your girlfriend not seeing you. And she made exceedingly valid points. <laughs> and it really led to a point where Kristen Stewart was going to say something along the lines of like, I don't need this. Like, I deserve someone who's out, who's proud to have me, who's going to treat me well, even when there's you know other things to do, like my dad's mayoral candidacy any of that shit, whatever. And I want to, and it was going to invite me to be part of the family. I'm out. And she kind of does it and then walks it back. And that fucking pissed me off because Kristen Stewart got kicked around the entire movie and then went back because Mackenzie Davis found her at a gas station and asked really nicely. That's it. That's it? Yeah. She got treated like during the whole movie and a gas station. Hey, you know give me another shot. Is what worked? I honestly found myself rooting for her to leave the name of the actress that was playing her significant other for Aubrey Plaza. Yes. It's like, same. wow. Absolutely. Aubrey same. Plaza seems to care, shares that experience. They genuinely have good chemistry, which. I can't honestly say about the other two. And it seems like they would both be happy, at least in that relationship from what we could see in this fucking hour-long movie. Yeah, they're they're both out. They both have... Kristen Stewart's about to get her master's degree. Aubrey Plaza is a doctor? Uh, she was... She had a doctorate, and then Kristen Stewart was going for her doctorate. In right. Her she, she, she She's some type of professional. Um, and... And they had a great, they really hit it off. Because the thing that makes it look so weird after you finish with them not getting together is why they did all the things that they did. Because Aubrey Plaza taking Kristen Stewart around to like the um, the drag club or the burlesque show, whatever the appropriate term is for, for that, that bar that they went to, would make way more sense for a, a gay woman to take someone who's not out to, to be like, hey, Look how great it is to be openly gay. Look at all these cool things that that like are, are part of uh, a a um, group that you are a part of that you're not depriving yourself of by not being out. Um, or if they got together, it'd be like, hey, look how much fun it is to be with someone who is out. And now we get to share these experiences together and not worry about being judged by people because we are comfortable with who we are and with each other. And instead, it was neither of those things. And it led to such disappointment that it wasn't the two of them getting together, or that dinner should have taken place with uh, Harper, Mackenzie Davis's character, to show her, like, hey, bitch, come out. It shouldn't take your girlfriend breaking up with you and tearing your life apart for you to eventually realize you're being a bad person. Kind of. Ugh, it... Yeah. 
and it had it had a chance to really say something, you know, that like you know at the end of the movie, the woman doesn't need to get kicked around the whole time and then just go back to the to the shit partner. And they just did that, but they were gay. Like that's it. Wow. Like it seemed like a movie wasn't written by someone who's gone through this experience. It seems like someone who imagines this is what it would be like because it, it really is just going back to that, you know, uh, women in toxic relationships, just falling back to what's comfortable because that's, what's easiest rather than doing what's best for them. Because Mackenzie, what's her last name? Davis. The Harper. Mackenzie Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly isn't what's best for her. Like, sure, they are happy together and they're in love and she thinks she wants to marry her. But can you honestly say that as being, you know, a a good relationship from what we've seen as, you know, represented here? I don't know. No. No, absolutely not. And what's crazy is that this, so this film is, you know, as I said at the top, written and directed by uh, Clea Duvall. And she, she says that this film is, is relatively autobiographical. Um, that, that this is something that happened to her. And that makes it worse, honestly. Yeah, doesn't seem it. And, and again, like, you know, who learned anything worth learning during this film? Like, because if, if you look at it from Harper's perspective, she was in the closet until the absolute last minute possible before it damaged her own self-interest. At no point prior to the ending of this film did she see um, Kristen Stewart's struggles and the tough shit she was going through from the fact that Harper was in the closet as worth it for her to come out and face her family. It wasn't right. until it impacted her personally that she actually took action so she didn't learn fucking anything because that's not learning it wasn't even about her needing to come out like the understanding of okay we can do this after the holidays sure like that's a compromise you can have it's just hey don't abandon me at every single term anytime there's anyone else around like hey i am still your significant other we are still at your family's house for the holidays. Something you had asked me to do, despite knowing this is not something I enjoy. Hey, don't fucking leave me to fend for myself like I'm no one. Like yeah. I'm here on like because you're doing me a favor. It's yeah, she, the exact opposite. She 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 treated her like like she just fucking met her. Yeah. I, I, I would have broken up with her just for that, let alone the oh, coming absolutely. out part. Like that, absolutely. that I felt like was a non-issue. I, I mean, ab- yeah, absolutely. Like, there's a movie, there's a version of this film or story anyway, where um, Harper and, and Kristen Stewart go to to Harper's family's house, stay in the closet until after Christmas, and the two of them still have like kind of a nice time while Kristen Stewart just keeps telling her, "You need to come out to your parents." But they still hang out a lot, have a nice time hanging out in her old town and meeting all her old friends. Instead, Harper treats her like shit the whole way through. Yeah. It's ridiculous altogether. And then let's look at it from, from Kristen Stewart's perspective. She hates Christmas because it brings up bad, bad memories and thoughts and acquiesces to satisfy her girlfriend. 
go, finds out that she her girlfriend's in the closet, which they had no idea. She had no idea about. So that's already upsetting news. Then, uh -huh. especially gets, if you're at a point where you're planning on getting engaged, you don't know that her parents don't know, and you've never met them before. Right? Like, oh my god, it's so sad. Uh, and I mean, literally sad, not like pathetic sad. Um, yeah. You get to the town. You don't get to sleep on the same floor of the house. You get ignored the whole movie. And the only point in time in which your girlfriend actually sees your side of things and wants to help, you know, you feel more comfortable and safe and happy um, and seen is when you threaten to break up with her and then leave to go back to your own life without her. So what did you learn from her coming back to come get you at, at, at the gas station? That she was willing to go, I don't know, a couple miles down the road after you had already walked out on her? Is that a lesson? What did she learn? It, not, nothing. She learned absolutely nothing. At least at the end of the birdcage, there is, there is some more understanding about what, you know, being seen as a couple um, in the eyes of uh, fucking Nate. What's his goddamn name? Um, Oh God, the um, the no the 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 not the not Robin Williams guy in in the birdcage. Not cage. Robin Williams in the birdcage. Oh, I haven't actually seen the birdcage. Oh, it it it's this movie, but way better. Um, oh, God damn it! What's his fucking? I thought name? that like the name of uh uh of just like a, a trope that you were talking about. No, the movie, The Birdcage. This is basically uh, The Birdcage. Nathan Lane. Um, at the end of The Birdcage, you, you at least find out, like, you know, what it means to be, what it meant to Nathan Lane to be seen as 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 who he was, as you know, um, as as a gay man, as 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 a I guess relatively gender fluid person. What it meant for Robin Williams to to be able to express openly to people with with higher you know stakes what it means what it means for him to to be gay what his what it meant for his son to acknowledge that he had gay parents and and for for that to be okay no matter who he had to tell it to like the the, the coming out at the end had an actual emotional impact because people learned something about who they were and how they were represented at the end of it you know, mm -hmm. the idea that 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 the kid in the birdcage got to look at Nathan Lane at the end and say, this is my mom and acknowledge not only the fact that he had um, his his father was gay and this was this was his 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 partner slash, slash co-parent, but also that that Nathan Lane was a gender fluid person who was presenting often presents as male and female and that he recognizes that as being that parental role, you know, with all that in mind. There was a big moment there where, where, where the LGBTQ plus nature of the film got to really have a, an, uh, a moment and land that this movie fucking didn't. The ending of this movie is genuinely sad. It is not a happy ending. Kristen Stewart takes this woman back for no reason and just says fuck you to her own self-worth. Yeah. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I I really did not enjoy this movie. It was watchable, but even then, it's like 
Yeah, if you turn your mind off, okay, sure. But if you actually think about any of the deeper meanings in any of it, it's just kind of like, well, what the fuck did we learn from this? Okay, cool. Toxic relationships are still a goddamn just vacuum of happiness. Yeah, and I mean, there wasn't even like side quests, meaning like there was never really a great moment between Harper and Sloane. You kept expecting there to be one and kept expecting a bonding moment, but there never really was. They just kind of physically fought and then forgave each other. Jane got kicked around the whole goddamn movie for like no reason. Um, The mom sucked and then had a moment where she confronted the dad and all of a sudden we were supposed to like her. And um, the dad was barely in the movie. Uh, He doesn't really matter. Um, It was just it was just a weird, just such a weird storyline the whole way through where mm-hmm. everything got resolved at the end because we needed to end the movie. I like, will say it. just you know, while we're talking about it, bitchy Allison Bree in this, I would let her do just about anything she wanted to me. My goodness. Go Ooh. Jews. I didn't realize she was married to Dave Franco. Not yes. was it Yes, That's still crazy. currently. Yeah. Yeah, they've been together a while. Yeah, I didn't know that. Good on both of them. That's a good couple. Yeah, I agree. I like them together. I don't know either of them personally or how their relationship dynamic works, but I like both of them, and they're both attractive, so it's a good couple. And Alison Brie's Jewish, so we know she's all right. Is Dave Franco and James Franco Jewish? I don't believe so, no. Okay. But Dave Franco's okay in my book, I guess. I don't know anything about James. Um. Yeah, you know, I I kept waiting for the end because while I was watching the movie, I kept thinking, like, this is fine. If it ends in a breakup, it'll be good. Not great, but it'll be good. If it ends in them getting back together, it'll be bad. You know what I mean? Like, this movie really hinged for me on the ending. And so to see them getting back together, God, it just... Especially after Kristen Stewart finally walked away and, like, left the house and everything... To see it all just turn on its head like that for no reason, like really killed it. Because up until that point, I was like, if this ends with her leaving and gaining some agency and living her life openly gay and wanting that out of a partner, or at least some level of recognition of that out of a partner, I'm with it. I'm I, like, I'm here for that ending. This is a different take. This is a different form of happy ending. If they end up not getting back together, that could have still been a happy ending. There was no reason for it to end on a down note just because they didn't get together at the end. Um, but instead it shows them getting together and it just didn't work for me. Nope. Yeah, I don't really have much to say on this anymore. We kind of touched on the uh the stuff that mattered, at least for me. Yeah. I mean, I'll look through my notes and see if anything. Oh, uh this is just another one of the classic, oh, we are, you know, in this serious relationship but we don't communicate in any way. So now everything is falling apart, which is just the trope for what seems to be every single romantic comedy ever. Well, uh, any p- particular part or just in general? Um, pretty just much in general, movie. just yeah. the entire family doesn't communicate the fact that she's been lying about being in the closet. And, and that's kind of something major that you think you would tell your significant other in a serious relationship. Yeah, especially like, you know, it's not like I, I don't have a good comparison, but I can't, I can't imagine it's an uncommon thing 
in in the LGBTQ plus community for for you know some people to not be out and to just say that to their partner. You know what I mean? I like, imagine that's like a first date kind of discussion. Or maybe if not first, first month for sure. Yeah. Like not a year in or however long it had been. Um like this feels like a movie that probably should have come out in like 2008. Yeah. Like this feels super dated. 110% agree. I I and this movie makes way more sense in like 08 than it does today. Um because I, I, the other thing I, I kept thinking while, while we were watching this was, uh, you know, we're honestly at a point where um, his, his th- this guy's daughter being gay might actually be good for him politically. Right. Like, like it in would probably be good for him to yeah. be out. Her to be out. Yeah. Uh, expand your voter base. Show how, at least, you know, even if it's just performative, show how down with the times you are and open, you know, broad-based Republican or whatever stupid bullshit. Um, like, like, he should have been like, "Oh, you're gay. I love it. Let's go put you on the on a, on a stage and talk some gibberish." Um, yeah. Also, Kristen Stewart should have left because her dad's a Republican. Gone. <laughs> yep. Gone. Yep. But yeah, I have. It also had a, a really great quote about um, when she's hiding in the utility closet, trying to, go, trying to sneak in, and the mom comes in and opens the door and's like, "Abby." What are you doing in the closet? And I just like audibly moan, just like, oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Same. Uh, same. Um, and then when they first meet and they're talking to the dad and they're talking about his speech that he gave and, you know, they were talking about like really interesting things and they're both like clearly very invested in this conversation now. The mom just cuts him off to switch the subject back to her and it's like, okay. I see where these communication issues come from. Jesus. Um, And then another great quote. Uh, Jane, glad you're here. Internet's a little spotty. And like she just runs off to fix it. That spoke to me. Going back to see your parents, it's like, oh, Corwin, you're here. Fix the internet. Printer's broken. Get this (laughs) shit up and running. Let's go. Yeah, I know the feeling. And then uh, the mall cop interrogation scene. What the fuck was that? Where the fuck did that come from? And how did that fit in the rest of this movie whatsoever? Oh, it didn't. <laughs> it's it so didn't stupid and ridiculous. Same thing with the the uh, Sloane's husband cheating. Where did that co- come yeah. in? And ha- like they brought it in so late and did nothing with it. It was like why, why bother? Even if that was based on something that happened in Clea Duvall's life, on, honestly, at this point in like the film, why even fucking mention uh-huh. it? <laughs> like, and it's like, oh, Alice and Bree's character needs a secret so they can both get upset with each other and both have leverage. Okay, have them like walk into you know them having that conversation or fighting, or not fucking banging some other chick in the closet. Like yeah, what? Well- even, or even just show it earlier in the movie so it doesn't feel so colossally shoehorned in. Yeah. Uh, like, there's no reason for that. Like, that that happened and then it got brought up, like, two minutes later. Yeah, it was really rough. <laughs> One thing I, I like, genuinely asked when Dan, Le- uh, Dan Levy showed up was, like, dude, who's taking care of the pets you were tasked with 
taken care of. And then when they were in the gas station and Kristen Stewart asked, like, hey, I know you've been here for many hours now and it feels a bit late to ask, but like that thing I needed you to do and you were doing me a favor of doing, um, what's up with that? And then, you know, casually admitting he killed one of the pets. Love it. It was perfect. Um, and then the last one I have is, you know, God bless the dad for saying no to the bitch being like, all right, this is okay. We just need to adopt. Don't ask, don't tell with it. Bless him for just saying no to that and saying, no, 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 no. That is, that is not moral. Which, again, feels like something that would have happened in like 2008, if not earlier. Uh, uh-huh. but yeah. You know, back when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was a thing. Yeah, rightly. Like that hasn't even been policy for years. You, oh like, I get you Republicans and, and you weren't the ones to repeal it. Just like, you got to accept, like, hey, we all we all mutually agree, like, that's not okay anymore. Get over it. I, this movie. It, it, ain't, it ain't the best. Nope. It ain't the worst. I will give it that. But, man, it's not the best. No. All right. Uh, so final, final thoughts and, 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 uh, and, uh, rating and review. Um, this was my film. I'll go first. Look, if, you know, if you're looking for a holiday flick, it's not the worst thing that you can end up watching. Would I recommend you watch it? No. But if you're looking for something holiday themed on Hulu and you know, you're there, I guess go for it. But, um, like if there was a, you finish. Go ahead. There was. I'm just. It's just shit because there was a real opportunity for them to do something and say something different, um, and and make a real statement about what happiness means and where we derive that from and what it means to be who you are and you know all those like things and it just threw them out the fucking window. Um, this is this is a solid one out of five for me. Um. Mm. I I'm so colossally disappointed with almost every choice made in this film. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies. It's like your girlfriend's like, "Hey, I want to watch a Christmas movie. This is what we're watching." It's one that I will watch till the end, probably not a second time, but you know, it's watchable. They'll probably enjoy it because of what it is. Um but it's not a good movie in any capacity. I'll give it a one and a half because I will watch the end of it and Dan Levy's in it. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel like even that's just me being in the Christmas By far spirit. the best part of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is by far the best part of anything he's in. Um, But whew, I really wish they let him write this and direct this and just do everything with this rather than just have him be a minor character. Yeah, I just wish he was in the movie more. I remember because after the beginning, he's like not really in the movie much until the end. Like the mm-hmm. the, the the middle of this film is very, you know, anti or Dan Levy less. And I I remember like looking like why would you cast him if he's not going to be in so many more scenes than this? Mm-hmm. Oh, but anyway, to the side. Uh, all right, so that is those are our our films from this week. Um, hope you guys liked them, or <laughs> if you guys have any comments on them. Make sure you reach out. Let us know what you thought about them. We had a long conversation about the ending on um, Happiest Season 
um, let us know what you think about it. Uh, hit us up via Twitter um, at Big Screen Juice and email us at Big Screen or Juicing the Big Screen at gmail.com. Uh, now for our our next week's picks, Corwin, what do you want? What do you got for next week? Oh man, my short list just became more confusing. Um, I really want to watch. Nah, I'll save it when I figure out specifically which one. Um, I want to go with Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, okay. Oh shit, that's not good. I haven't seen it. Uh, all right, all right. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> that's a bad sign. We're we're doing it. Okay. All right. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy from. 2011 um that's locked in (laughs) (laughs) um i will go with the uh the 1953 film the wages of fear um this we're going back to uh foreign language a little bit luckily dialogue i mean it's very present in the film but you'll get a lot even if you aren't reading the subtitles but luckily you know i know you corbin you will um and i think i think you'll like this watches a foreign language film and actively doesn't read the subtitles you have not met my father oh you have um but him (laughs) Uh, many many times yeah he's his own guy uh anyway yeah so the wages of fear from 1953 um tinker taylor soldier spy from 2011 uh that's those are the picks for next week um if you have any recommendations anything you want us to pick anything you want us to talk about let us know at the aforementioned twitter and email accounts that's big screen juice on twitter and juicing the big screen at gmail.com via email uh, and that's it man until uh, until next tuesday y'all have a good one bye